Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Robertson. Good to see everybody here this morning. Boy, this looks like, you know, the kind of crowd like when the the T-Wolves have only won 15 games, you know, toward the end of the season. The Twins are in last place. Uh, look like the Vikings. We're, at least we outdrew the Vikings and Packers this week in Chapel. I'm going to tweet that. I said, man, our crowd was larger than the Packers-Vikings game. Uh, this past week, uh, more than the NFL. But good to see everybody here today. And take your Bibles, if you will. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I love that family, the Deckers. They are graduates of North Central. They're from here uh, doing significant work. Obviously, uh, you picked up on that. And uh, we love this family, and they continue to be a part of NCU uh, a part of our, our heart. Uh, good to see uh, the great one, Jeff Dio, sitting back over here, uh, back and uh, doing well and uh, back to health and strength. And uh, we love you, Jeff, and uh, your teams, uh, the whole fine arts, uh, just has produced wonderful student leaders. And it was evident, but we miss your eldership, your leadership uh, on campus. And it's just great to have you here as we all navigate what I call the invisible campus right now. We're all here, uh, but we're like behind walls and we just poke our head out for a little bit. But remember, the reason you're here is your classes, your learning, your degrees, uh, all the culture pieces. You know, our roots, our DNA is alive and the Lord is allowing that DNA to find its way into spaces that are creative across campus for us. But remember, you're not sitting still. Every class, every test you take, every assignment you complete, you're working toward a major life goal. Your life is not on hold. You, you're getting your degree. This is a huge step in your life. And you'll understand that, like, man, I, I just made big progress in a time where the world stood still. So I commend you uh, that you're at this thing and just keep your eye on the prize of doing well in school uh, passing the classes, getting those credits built up toward that magnificent moment of earning your degree. Your life is not on hold right now. You're making great progress. Give yourself a hand for the progress that you're making. All righty, Matthew chapter 10, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I want to talk with you for a few minutes about the return to the new normal. I think we're returning to a new normal. I know it's a little bit of a... What do you mean by that? Um, I'm going to explain it to you. We've, we've used the phrase the new normal a lot lately, and I am beginning to think that um, less and less of this is passing and much of this is going to be permanent, not in the sense that we will be um, limited per se, but there's all kinds of new ways that we're learning to love one another, do life. And I have found, even though I've been on restriction, um, that I haven't been able to see my mom in a year. And my mom is... Uh, close to 90, and uh, she has been off limits to the family, that my love has grown, my prayers have grown stronger, uh, and I'm praying that soon, you know, I can uh, give my mom a hug again. Um, but uh, it's not, even though it's different, um, there's some things that are being produced in me that were not as strong as they once were that are much stronger now. Now, there's many things that are being tested. Remember, the difference between leaders is this. Many young leaders... Uh, I would say an immature, inexperienced leader wants to be noticed, but a mature, experienced leader wants to be examined. And there's a big difference between being noticed and being examined. 
And right now, we're all being tested. We're being examined. Our faith is being examined. Whatever's true, we're finding out if that's really in us in a deep way or if that we just kind of live that on the surface. And the cultural winds, the category, the Cat 5 hurricane that's hit our society is just displacing and removing the things that were really not rooted strong in the Lord. So we talk about the new normal, but when I read scripture, I'm beginning to see that the new normal looks a lot like the days of Jesus when he commissioned his disciples. I want to walk you through this. Matthew chapter 10, it says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority. This is a test run of the book of Acts. Jesus is breathing. It's not the outpouring promised in Joel chapter 2 that was realized in Acts chapter 2. But this is literally a test run of the church. Could they operate in, 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 um, away from the physical life of Jesus, empowered by the authority or the spirit uh, to carry out the ministry of Jesus in as close to the original pattern as possible, which is how Jesus would do it. So he gives the, authority, uh, the disciples authority. Um, there's other portions in here in the New Testament where he sent out the 70 or the 72. There's some discrepancy in the manuscripts. There's a portion of scripture that says Jesus breathed. That was that transfer of authority. It was like a down payment, a test of the great and mighty rushing wind of Acts chapter 2. However you want to frame it, here we read these 12 are being sent out to do significant work and it requires authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That's a pretty radical opening day for the 12. I think I told you I went, was at a funeral a uh, few years back and the guy said right before I did the funeral, he says, why don't you see if you can raise the person from the dead? I said, hey, no pressure. Uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody walking on stage at the funeral. And so, but here you see Jesus, the new normal for the disciples was to take authority, not over peripheral, soft issues, but over the most dramatic things that were binding and destroying humanity, these unclean spirits, wickedness, disease, <coughs> disease and disorder and demons. Every kind of sickness was now in play when a disciple showed up. The Bible says, then it lists the name of the 12 apostles. Interesting, there's a similar list in Mark 3, Luke 6, Acts 1. It's interesting that Peter is always mentioned first. And Judas is always mentioned last, except in Acts 1 where he's been removed. But in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, Peter's mentioned first. Judas is always mentioned last. And the names in between are kind of reordered. I just think it's fascinating in which you can see the destiny of Peter and the infamy of Judas almost reflected in this little hint or wink of Scripture. I don't know. I don't want to draw too much to that, but I think it's fascinating. So it lists the 12 down through verse 4. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's an interesting instruction, giving, given that the scripture talks about this wide net, this inclusiveness. This was not to be a permanent exclusionary 
mandate. It was just simply this mission. And Jesus was sending the disciples in many ways like he spoke to those in the upper room. I want you to begin in Jerusalem. I want the kingdom of God to be felt in the most familiar place first because the most familiar place is the hardest place. I've always had difficulty witnessing to my neighbors. I have great freedom when I go to Nepal and India and Africa to preach the gospel to strangers. If it was up to the apostles, they would have started in the uttermost parts of the earth because they had so destroyed their reputation in Jerusalem. But the power of the Holy Spirit, this authority, this breathing of God's heaven authority into these disciples gave them the transcending ability to start in their most vulnerable place, their most insecure place. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. It just, it just reaches into our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, the places we are afraid of most, our families, our Jerusalem, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let's start there because that's the last place we think God will ever move. So I'm going to prove that I have the power to move in familiar, tired, burned over relationships and stories. I'm going to heal that space. I'm going to use you right there. So the kingdom begins Right in that vulnerable space, it begins in the insecure place. It begins in the familiar place. Start there. Don't cop out and run to a bunch of strangers on the other side of the world and operate in power. It's got to work here. Yes, we've got to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's a mandate of Jesus. We have to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But he said, you better make certain that the Holy Ghost and his fire is working in Jerusalem, your most familiar place. Your most vulnerable place, the place where you've blown it, the place where people don't see you as an on-fire instrument of the kingdom. I'm going to transform that reputation in the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, when you go, I want you to preach. And quite honestly, friends, this looks far more like the, the wacky street preacher. This is the herald. This is the proclaimer. This is not a controlled environment in which you're you're set up to win. You know, there's no speaking engagements, friends, in the New Testament. I can rarely find anything that relates to a speaking engagement. Nobody's flying in, having an intern pick them up at the airport, taking them to the Hilton Garden Inn. There's no basket in the room. There's no fruit. There's no t-shirt. There's no mug. There's no free lodging, free food. Somebody pick you up in the morning, all smiley, walk you to the green room where there's more free food. There's no beautifully printed check from the executive pastor that they hand you after you speak while they put you back in a recliner in an airplane that you fly across the land in a recliner that you're upset because you're... you're TV on Delta went out for 10 minutes. You're flying across the country in a recliner, for heaven's sakes. In four hours. None of that was happening. None of this was scheduled and controlled and aimed and set up for you to win. This was open-air preaching. This was flat confrontation. 
And as you go, herald that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. I want you to operate the supernatural without any hope of monetizing your, your leadership. This is all free. I'm certainly not opposed. I've been paid a wage for preaching the gospel. But I will tell you this. I've always been aware of this passage. And I'm not saying I'm Joe spiritual up here. But my wife will tell you, if we get invited to speak at a church of 20 people and there's no money, we've always said yes to that. The week after speaking at a river valley, I will speak at some place on, an, on a, some obscure location in missions or domestic. You can't say, hey, here's my set fee, anything below that. I've never believed in that theory. You do what you do, but I'm telling you what, every time I preach for free, something has happened to my soul. Something's happened inside when I'm preaching to people that are not guaranteeing me uh, cloud and prestige. I don't care what I look like as president to you. The way of the kingdom is not these titles. The way of the kingdom is I'm going to bring the kingdom to my most vulnerable, insecure spot. Jerusalem, and I'm going to do it often for free of charge in a setting that's not set for me to win. Preach that way. I want you to go after the kinds of pain that require a supernatural encounter and a supernatural response. Don't go after just the soft issues in controlled environments where you always win. Go after people that are demon-possessed, people with leprosy. And freely give it, because freely you've received it. Then he said, don't acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. Do not let greed. Because if you're freely giving, because you freely received, you have a mindset that all the Lord rewards you with financially is his grace. And you're able to stay generous and you try to replicate that in other people's lives as best you can. My first week in the ministry, I was, Karen and I, we had nothing, man. We had nothing. We would go visit her parents so we could eat meat. Unless you call, you know, pepperoni pizza meat. But to, like have like a roast or something. You had to go home because her parents had that kind of stuff in their freezer. And so we, we live thin, very, very thin. Uh, I grew up very thin financially. And my grandpa bought me a sport coat when I was 14 because I was, had to go to a banquet. We went to Sears. It was 19 bucks. I'll never forget it, 1975. It had lapels, man. They were like wings on a plane, man. It was, they were huge. You could have cut out a pair of pants out of the lapels the wide lapels, man, wide lapels. I thought I was just styling, all fly, looking amazing, walking in when I was 14 in my sport coat. And, um, and then I had nothing from there on. So when I got this role at this church as part-time junior high pastor, a man named Will Balch on the board uh, said, hey, next Sunday, Pastor Crabtree's going to introduce you. And he says, uh, 
do you have a suit? And I said, I don't have a suit. And he took me down and bought me a suit. He said, meet me here tomorrow. Went down to Men's Warehouse. It was a $160 suit at Men's Warehouse, 1983. $160. Bucks. I wore that suit, man. I wore every variation of that suit. Wore it as a sport coat. Wore it as a suit. Buttoned it, unbuttoned it. Tried to throw people off with different shirt colors, couple different tie combos, open collar. I wore that thing to death. I, Will Balch, he passed away this last year. I had a chance to get up and talk a little bit of this after funeral time and told the story. And from that time, I've tried in my life. I've probably at least on 10 occasions bought a young guy his first suit. I know we don't wear suits as often in ministry anymore, but you got to have at least one suit. And so been able to, uh, if, if it's a young man, now I haven't got out and bought a young preacher woman a dress. I'll probably have to have Karen do that. But what I'm saying is that freely I gave, free, freely I receive, freely I give. And so I was deeply embedded with this early. And we're talking about our return to the new normal. What's Christianity look like? What's the landscape going to feel like? What are we going to look like? I think we're going to look like people that need the authority, the breath of Jesus, understood as that mighty rushing wind of Acts 2 to be baptized in the Holy Spirit empowered so that we can go into the vortex of vulnerable, insecure, personal areas, live the kingdom, manifest the kingdom right in front of people that we failed in front of, Jerusalem. And then we're going to go into the, not the soft issues, but the, the most impossible issues that require demons to flee and lepers to be healed, people to be cleansed and people need to be raised from the dead. These are not all metaphors. If that's really our new normal, you probably start feeling like the early church that prayed at least for 10 days. We know we try to do it a, a, a clean number after the resurrection of Christ and he appears for those 40 days to over 500, then commissions the disciples and all of their remnant to go seek God. It's around number 120 that are taken into the upper room. If you knew that you were going to have to die outside that room, you probably would stay in that prayer meeting until you were different. If you knew that you were going to have to die when you left the room, there was that potential. You probably stay in that room until something so dramatically changes. And that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does in your life. It so dramatically changes everything about you, your perspective, your heart. It arrests you. It remakes you. It takes your faith in Christ to the optimum level and potential so that you're willing to go out and be a witness or a martyr for Christ if need be. But you're also willing to go to the hardest issues of society, the hardest spiritual issues, not simply the hardest social issues. Because you can operate in the social space without the Holy Spirit. You can operate in the social space without the Holy Spirit. But you cannot operate in this space without the Holy Spirit. If you're talking about raising people from the dead and cleansing of lepers, demons fleeing, you can't operate in that space without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
quickly, we got to get this. The worship team's going to come up in about, uh, about six, seven minutes. Because I want us to worship today. So it says, do not acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Because the natural reply of a broken world set free is to lavish the messenger. We saw this in the Old Testament with Naaman. When Naaman was healed of leprosy, he backed up the Brinks truck, you know, the truck that has all the cash. He backed it up to Elisha and said, all the money you want is yours. And what did Elisha say? Uh, Keep your cash. There's no price tag on getting set free of leprosy. Keep your money. Gehazi, it made him nuts. So he ran after Naaman to get the cash. He ended up lying to him and the Lord caught him and he became snow white with leprosy. Now, Gehazi had a nice comeback because God's a merciful God. But what I'm saying is, is that people want to pour money on you if you can help them get free. There has to be this inner governance to enjoy the reward of the Lord in your life without greed becoming the aim. And the only way I personally have found that is to take assignments in life that I am not paid for. It helps remind my heart that I'm in this. If you ask me to go preach here and they can't pay, I never went back and said, hey, where's my check? I've never said that one time in my entire life to anybody, and the Lord has blessed my life. I will never forget two back-to-back youth camps I did. One week I was up in northern uh, Alaska. It was actually in the Northern Territories. In um, we flew into I forget the name of the town. Then we got on a dirt highway, went for three hours, and, and it was a it was a camp for um, uh, Eskimo children. And it was about seventy kids. It was the poorest facilities. The water came out of the shower so slowly that the water came out. It clung to the head and then curled back up the pipe and then ran down the wall. That was the shower. So I was there for five days. So I had to take a shower by squishing your body against the wall, letting this happen, you know, squish this way, let it build up, let it build up, let it build up. Here we go, let it build up. And just kind of having this bizarre experience. Then you were terrified to get the soap on because to get the soap off would be three or four hours of this pressed against the wall, letting the water build up on you. We had a tremendous, and actually at that camp, there were several kids delivered of demons. It was powerful. When I'm done, I'm up there, you know, the church, Bethel Church sent me there. And when I'm there, um, I'm there for free. These kids came up to me at the end of the camp. And they have a big candy store that always opened up. The big thing was before they all went back, hundreds of miles back up in the northern area of Canada and Alaska. We were in Whitehorse Canada, I think. Whitehorse is the town I remember. These kids came and said, Pastor Scott, that was the best week, blah, blah. They pulled all their money together and they shoved it at me. Filthy dollar bills. Nickels, dimes, pennies, quarters. And they shoved to me 71 bucks. It's truly the first love offering I've ever received in my life. And to this day, it's been a love offering that has never left my heart. I didn't want to touch it. I thought I would die and go right to hell if I spent that money. That was like sacred Jesus uh, to the glory of God. I don't want to touch this. I've never seen sacrifice like that. 
And I, they said, you, I said, no, that's your, that's your money at the store to go home for the ride home, your candy. They said, we want to give it to you, me? You got to be kidding. They put it in a Ziploc bag. They made me take it. I brought it home. I showed Karen. I landed at home on that, on that Saturday night. I went and did Sunday school. And it just so happened that I was doing another camp for the Southern California District that next week. So I had these back-to-back uh, youth camps. I jumped on the airplane Flew down to Los Angeles to the Assembly of God Southern Cal Youth Camp in what's the, what's the beautiful campgrounds? What's it called down there? And it is unbelievable. So the youth pastor picks me up in a, just a dialed-in church van. The dialed-in T-shirts. This guy has no idea where I just came from or how utterly sinful he looks to me. It's not impressing me. Um... And I was no Joe spiritual, but I had found myself encountered by this thing in Alaska. And I get to this camp, and there's 500 kids there. Chartered buses are pulling up. Everybody's getting off. 100 kids from this youth group in cool shirts, and everybody's just dialed in. They had the speaker's condo. They took it to me, massive baskets of whatever. You couldn't, couldn't break the cellophane. It was too hard uh, to get into it. But it was, it was just all these gifts. And then before I even start, a guy knocks on the door, the camp administrator. He's dialed in. It's great. And he, he has a clipboard with a bunch of checks. He's paying the vendors. And he goes, tick, 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 tick. hey, here's your honorarium. Handed it to me. Before I've done a thing. And I had that baggie of that money still with me. By myself, I'm only 24. I'm not that spiritual. I'm just forming myself. I laid that check and I laid that bag and I stepped back. That check was for 750 bucks, which back in 84 was a lot of money, a lot of money today, 750 bucks. Two color print check, really cool envelope, a little window in it, just really nice. Just totally organized, excellent first class. And I laid the check next to the bag. I've never forgotten that experience in my life. And the Lord said, that's that's an offering. Okay. That's an honorarium. Okay. Nothing wrong with this. I have to pay my house payment. But I saw something and I leaned into it. And I said, Lord, I just want to live closer to that bag. Then I do this check for the rest of my life. I want to be associated with everything that that represents rather than this. So the freedom to acquire, which is to how can I manipulate and earn and see all this mission and turn it into Naaman giving me millions of dollars because I helped him be freed of leprosy. Maybe I'm not articulating myself perfectly with this, but it was powerful. We're going to wrap here and begin singing. I want to mark one more thing. They went to the most vulnerable, insecure place, Jerusalem. The power of the Spirit, the authority of Christ has got to start there. It can't start at the uttermost parts first and work your way back to the vulnerable and insecure place. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts. I think there's a pattern there. I want you to go into the the vortex 
of spiritual need, not just social need, because you can operate in the social space without the Holy Spirit, but you cannot operate in the kingdom space without the Holy Spirit. And I want to compel you to get into the kingdom space, not just the social space, to say this is where people are bound and burdened and they're dead and they need to be set free and saved and transformed by the power of Jesus, the authority he's given me. I want us to be willing to do it for free. I don't want greed to overtake my heart. And the last thing I will say, Jesus said, whatever city you enter, if it's worthy, stay. If you leave, shake the dust off your feet. That famous scene of moving on and being able to overcome rejection. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to overcome rejection disappointment people that aren't into what you're into shake the dust off your feet one time in my life Karen and I bought new carpet for an old house new carpet man we were like okay for the rest of our lives protect the new carpet people wouldn't even be out of their car I'm out there with a bullhorn please take off your shoes uh, before you enter my home I have new carpet you know I was like obsessed with don't get on my carpet Because what happens when somebody with muddy feet walks into the house, they take five or six steps and they're not even aware. Everybody else goes, whoa, 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 you got to track your, hey, oh, you're tracking your previous experiences into your present reality. And when you live with rejection, you track it all over the place and you're the last one to see it. Everybody around you can see you carrying rejection. You're leaving your footprints. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're going, what, 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 what? Oh, I didn't know I was carrying around dirt and dust from the previous rejection. You're going to have to, no matter what your anagram, no matter what your grandma or your anagram. The power of the Holy Spirit can take every fragile, insecure person in this room, beginning with me. And give us victory over rejection so we can shake the dust off our feet. And we can continue to move with zeal and authority and power into every new moment as though it was fresh. And not just another repeat. We need him. Let's stand together today. Let's just worship this message into our heart and spirit. I took some of your time. I'm so sorry. I just want to worship here today. But let's just begin to cry out to God and You know, we're kind of having what I call a touchless Pentecost. It's like, you know, your car wash, the brushes are hitting you. And then they go, touchless wash. You know, what's a touchless car wash? But nothing's hitting the car. That's kind of what chapel's like right now. I can't pray for you. You can't get in groups to pray. We're like in this touchless Pentecost. But I'm telling you, friends, Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 11, the Holy Spirit fell in the, uh, no, it was 10. Holy Spirit falls on the house of Cornelius while a guy's speaking, nobody's touching anybody. And the Holy Ghost falls on people. If you're in this room and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today, you've never spoken tongues, you've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not part of that tribe here at North Central. I'm kind of like not that tribe. No, there ain't no tribes, no divisions. 
This is all just everybody that Jesus is talking to there, he's talking to here. He wants to give you his authority. He wants me to have his authority. Because the new normal, we're returning to the new normal. That's what Christianity is about to look like. We're returning to the new normal, folks. And so we need his power in our life. I've said enough. Let's just worship the Lord. Team, lead us out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.